1: Hi, I'm Kara Natterson and I'm Vanessa Kroll Bennett, and we are obsessed
0: with flipping puberty positive.
1: Puberty is a stage of life best described as a roller coaster of physical and emotional shifts. It happens to literally every human being on earth, and it shouldn't be cringy. It should feel,
0: you know, pretty comfortable, which is why we started this podcast and a newsletter and why we film slightly ridiculous but informative social media videos. It's
1: why we have a brand that makes clothes that literally feel so comfortable and why we write books too. Our latest is This Is So
0: Awkward, Modern Puberty Explained. We have built a universe of puberty positivity and it all started with this podcast.
1: We are so happy that you're here. Hey, Cara. Hi, Vanessa. We got a great listener question asking us to cover a topic that we have been talking around and about a little bit, but we're going to do a deep dive today into what's called the female athlete triad. So if you could share with everyone what that phrase even means, and then we can go deeper into the topic itself.
0: Yeah, so a triad just means there are three components. And in this descriptive term, right, it's an issue that happens to female athletes. Now, one could argue it probably also happens to some male athletes, but this is the diagnosis that's being looked at among female athletes. And they have three issues that are all interconnected. One being eating Problems. That is sort of the, the very vague way that this is defined, eating problems. Um, some people would say eating disorders. The second being menstrual problems. By the way, I'm reading this off of the American Academy of Pediatrics statement. So that's why I'm using this terminology. And the AAP is really a, a very, very good resource, but their language here is very broad. And I want to, that's part of what's confusing about this. So eating problems, menstrual problems. So really what that means is either very irregular periods or no periods, and weak bones. Now, written a different way, if you go on to, say, the American Academy of Family Physicians website, they will describe it as disordered eating, amenorrhea, which is no periods, and osteoporosis, which is a whole lot more specific than weak bones. It is A disease where the bones, the calcium is actually leaving the bones and the bones, they are visibly less dense when you do a bone scan. So two different ways of describing this issue and we can get into, in fact, I think, you know, You didn't go to medical school, but at this point, Vanessa, you might as well. I mean, you know more about... I mean, I should just get an online degree as a physician. I'm giving you a degree (laughs) right now. Like Dr. (laughs) Vanessa, do you want to explain a little bit about why these three things tend to appear? Let's talk about female athletes first and then let's broaden the lens.
1: So for those of you who've listened to this podcast for a long time, know that my work around puberty actually started in my work with girls and athletics. And so I want to ground this conversation in the fact that we're talking about something concerning and dangerous to the health and well-being of female athletes. And yet, athletics and sports and physical activity, we would all say, are great for kids and wonderful for females, particularly as females... And adolescents drop out of sports at twice the rate of boys by the time they are 14. And playing sports keeps you physically active. It should actually help grow bone density. It is great for self-esteem. Kids who play sports, girls who play sports have higher rates of academic success. There's all sorts of lifelong habit building qualities of playing sports as a kid and becoming an active adult, right? It is protective. It is wonderful in so many ways. And yet, when we look at the list of things that Cara mentioned, and I would imagine we can talk about this, Cara, that the American Academy of Pediatrics is using vaguer language to give adults and kids' lives a heads up that it's not at the point of diagnosis, but they should be aware of patterns of behavior. And we can talk about that. But we do know, and there's a wonderful organization, The Hidden Opponent, which just amplified a report that came out that intense athletes actually have higher rates of eating disorders than non-intense athletes, and that's kids of all genders. But that intense training and striving for certain levels of success can lead kids to behaviors that affect their eating, which in turn affects their bone density and in turn affects their menstrual cycle. So we can get into the biology and physiology of it, but certain sports in particular have been pointed at as particularly susceptible to leading to these behaviors. And I'm not going to demonize these sports only, but I am going to point them out for a variety of reasons, track and field and cross country, rowing, wrestling, gymnastics, and figure skating, and also dance, Dance. which is in some places considered a sport or some forms of dance are considered a sport and others are not, but dance to us, is a sport. It's an incredibly athletic activity, and it is falls into this bucket of physical activity where participants are at greater risk. And there's different reasons why these different activities can put kids at greater.
0: Risk. They're specifically at greater risk for body image issues and eating disorders from those sports. The amenorrhea part of this triad extends across a whole bunch of other sports. So I think it's important to distinguish the sports you listed are sports that either involve being in a leotard or bathing suit, involve standing in front of a mirror, or involve a certain physique that is valued by coaches to the point where the risk of eating disorder is higher.
1: Or involve literally weighing in. Or weighing in, I mean, right. And and, and cutting weight.
0: Below a certain... And cutting weight. weight. Thank you. Yeah, that was a big miss on the list. So this triad, so let's start there with body image and disordered eating. So that's leg number one of the stool. And this is exactly right, that there's this crazy seesaw between athletics being so good for you and yet disordered eating and body image issues that can go along with certain athletics being so, I don't wanna say bad for you, but like just not the goal, not what you, right? I mean, yes, bad for you, but also like just that's the opposite of what you're hoping to be. Counterintuitive. Yes, and counterproductive, Right, right? So that piece of the female athlete triad, we have to think about, we're gendering it. And yet many of the sports, all of the sports that you listed can be, Engaged in by people of all genders, right? There are people of all genders who do all of these activities. The body pressures felt by athletes extends across genders. Right. you know, um a wrestler who has to make a weight class can be male wrestler or female wrestler. And the same criteria apply and the same pressures apply. And so the same disorders may result. And so with that leg of the stool, I think the gendering of this is, is silliness.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think our world has traditionally gendered eating disorders and body image struggles, and we are on a mission to ungender them because it's not a gendered issue. People of all genders struggle with this. But Cara, with respect to people with female anatomy, eating disorders have a particular impact on those folks and specifically severe weight loss has an impact on menstruation. So let's start with what happens and why with respect to those folks.
0: So this triad is not three independent things, right? This triad is three very connected things. Yep. And for males, it's just a dyad because they don't have periods you know, genetic males with no ovaries and no uterus do not. So that third arm, that losing your period or having irregular periods is not measurable, but you could still have the other two pieces, right? You can still have the body image issues of the eating disorder, and you can certainly still have osteoporosis. So there, it's very interesting, Vanessa. I've been reading up on this a bit because I'm super curious about the chicken egg phenomenon here. My teaching when I was in medical school and what I've read forever and ever and ever was when the body loses enough weight, it cannot support a pregnancy because pregnancy has certain caloric costs, right? It's very energetically expensive to grow a fetus. And so, if a body doesn't have the energy to give to that, what it does is it shuts down the ability to get pregnant because it can't support the pregnancy. So, it's just being smart. It's just going into conservation mode. And so irregular periods or complete cessation of periods, which is called amenorrhea, that has forever been considered a consequence of significant weight loss. There are people out there who espouse a different theory. And this theory makes as much sense to me as anything, which is, it's not so much the weight as it is the amount of fat in the body because the fat stores provide a lot of that energy. And so if you have an athlete who has more lean muscle mass and less body fat, that body also cannot support a pregnancy and therefore will not get a regular period. And what's interesting about that is you may have an athlete who is not visibly thin but who has a very muscular, low fat body and is therefore missing periods. And sometimes these athletes don't get qualified as fitting into the female athlete triad because people don't ask these athletes how they feel about their bodies because their bodies, right? There's this flag that goes up when, a kid starts losing weight and then loses their period. And that's kind of an easy one for pediatricians to go, okay, I have a whole list of questions I want to ask you because you're giving me all these flags. If a kid has a body that looks fit and healthy and they're not having a period, sometimes we forget to ask the questions, how do you feel about that fit and healthy body?
1: And are you getting your period? Because (laughs) what is going to take us to the next part of this triad is estrogen is protective in the body. And a loss of estrogen for anyone who's at a different stage in life has all sorts of knock-on effects on the body, including
0: bone health and bone density. Vanessa, we literally have three minutes to eat lunch every day. I am not joking. And the challenge is how to make it delicious And healthy and still fit into that tiny window. Our answer is Factors ready to eat meals. They have been a godsend.
1: We throw our Factor meals in the microwave. It takes two minutes and out comes a gorgeous, fresh, never frozen meal. We both love the tamale vegetarian one. It's delish. There's a ton of options every week. There's 60 add-ons, breakfast, snacks, Beverages. I love doing the wellness shots with my kids. They think it's hilarious. And I know they're getting vitamins and minerals in their bodies.
0: So get meals on your table or at your desk in two minutes or less. Factor meals eliminate the hassle of prepping, cooking, and cleaning. You can customize with flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. And you can press, pause, or reschedule depending upon your lifestyle. So
1: to order... Go to factormeals.com slash puberty50 and use the code puberty50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That code is puberty50 at factormeals.com slash puberty50 to get 50% off your first box, 20% off your next box. And I am going to go do that right now because I need more factor meals in my refrigerator.
0: It can also help digestion, though too much helps your digestion too much, which is not a good thing. It can support muscle recovery. So bye-bye, Charlie horses. And it helps build dense bones, which is especially important for women approaching and in menopause.
1: We have an exclusive offer for our listeners. You can go to com slash puberty, dot com slash puberty. And you can use the code PUBERTY10 during checkout to save 10%. That promo code is PUBERTY10 at bioptimizers.com slash puberty. Your body and brain and family and business partner will thank you. And Magic Spoon is so confident you're going to love their product. It's backed with a hundred percent happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they will refund your money. No questions asked. They do not want you to send their cereal back to them.
0: Dry a bowl of Magic Spoon cereal today at magicspoon.com puberty and use the code puberty to save $5. So
1: Cara, Some people may be saying, great, why do we care if they stop getting a period? Your period's a pain in the butt. And if you're an athlete, you don't want to have to deal with it. Maybe it's a good thing that right now they're not getting a period and they don't have to deal with it, but it's not necessarily a good thing. Why are we concerned about girls who were getting a period and are
0: now not getting a period? Right. It is because estrogen, you are absolutely right. It has a role in maintaining bone structure low estrogen levels can make your bones porous, more like Swiss cheese, less like a block of cheese. It can make them weak. It can get you to the point where you have a clinical diagnosis of osteoporosis, which is bones that are so weak it is visible um, and measurable. And you know, the lower estrogen levels go, then the more bones bones are amazing. We don't think of them as constantly churning out cells and turning themselves over, but they, they are, and they do. And estrogen is very much a part of that process. And if you don't have enough estrogen in your body, you have a net estrogen deficiency, then your bones are going to be actually trying to compensate for it by they're turning over their bone faster and the bone is getting resorbed. So it's like um, they fall into this consumptive cycle where the bones are trying to make more bone, but they, they can't, turn it out as quickly as they're resorbing the old bone cells and so you get these thin weak bones it is not as commonly seen in males because of the estrogen piece and you know what's interesting to me is it's the it's the estrogen fluctuations that tend to correspond with osteoporosis so think about a woman in her 70s 80s 90s one thing we all know to think about now is osteoporosis and weak bones. We all know that a hip fracture, a femur fracture, a pelvic fracture can be not just more common, but actually can create devastating consequences for those older women. In fact, can lead to the end of a life because when those some of those bones break and you can't get up and move around because you're healing, there are all sorts of secondary complications that can be life-threatening. So so it's this drop in estrogen that is associated with osteoporosis and it can happen in the teen years just like it can happen in your 80s. So
1: a book that I really loved and appreciated, which explores from a first-person perspective The Female Athlete Triad is a book called Good for a Girl by Lauren Fleshman. And she was a world-renowned runner and now is an educator and an entrepreneur. But her book is really about her experience going through puberty as a runner and struggling with this very triad and learning to make peace with her changing body and figuring out how to be a successful athlete in a post-puberty or pubertal body after having struggled terribly with disordered eating, with amenorrhea, which that wasn't the thing she struggled with, but she struggled with bone breaks and bone issues. And so... If you're looking for a version of this podcast that is about storytelling and about one person's journey through this, it's a beautiful book. So Cara, I'm sure we have listeners sitting here thinking, okay, but like, what do I do about it? You know, we're in winter track season right now and I have a kid and I'm, I'm noticing weight loss and maybe even low energy and maybe even Irritability, and I haven't had to buy menstrual care products in a while. And maybe there's a a limp or some pain that I'm noticing, but the kid's not talking about it. What's your advice to these caregivers?
0: First, let's talk about females and then let's broaden it to males because I'm sure there are people who are sitting here listening going, Well, males don't have estrogen at the same levels as females. So shouldn't they all be walking around with low bone density, let's get to that after we do sort of how do you approach the female living in your house. So the first thing I'm going to say is, as major advocates of conversation, we cannot overemphasize the importance of letting menstruators in the house know that this is a topic of conversation to be had. I'm having my period, my period's so heavy, I'm so crampy, wow, I skipped my period this month. These are comments and statements that kids should feel free to utter because it clues parents into what's going on with their bodies. And it allows both the parents or the adults living in the home and the kids to know when, hmm, maybe we should reach out to someone and get a little help here and find out what's going on. If you don't talk about periods at all, it's really, really hard to know when a kid is missing them. I love that idea of noticing that you're not buying any period products or noticing, you know, that there aren't pads or tampons in garbage cans, but think about how busy and occupied we all are. This is not something that typically comes to the front of our brain. Like, you know, it's just not usually right there. So, getting into open conversation about it and just saying like, hey, check in with me, let me know how often it is. The other thing you could do is encourage the kids in your house to use apps that track periods, but make sure they don't give their personal information into those apps. And there are a host of reasons why the biggest to me is just that we don't know where that data goes and we don't know who has access to it. And You just don't want anyone to be following when you're menstruating, when you're not for a whole bunch of reasons. And if they're following it now, they can follow it 10 years from now. And it's just, that's a non-starter in terms of reproductive privacy, but they can start putting their information into an app without their personal data. And what you can do is you can encourage them to just flag you if they're seeing anything that's irregular. And you want to define what regular is. Regular is a period every three to five weeks. So irregular is more frequent than that or more spaced out than that and sort of with no pattern or skipping periods. And just to try to open up the conversation. That is, I think, the first step. The second step, and we've talked about this on other podcasts and it's really hard advice to give, is take note of eating behaviors and weight change. And you have to take note of both. So sometimes you'll see weight change, and that's a flag that then you can use to decide when it's time to see someone, you know, a pediatrician, a family doctor, et cetera. But sometimes you you won't see weight change because the eating issues, they may not result in weight change. So bulimia, I think, is a very, very good example of an eating disorder that more often than not does not result in visible weight loss. And yet it is very much an eating disorder. And it is very much a part of the female athlete triad. You you may have a kid who is bulimic and has very low body fat because they have very high lean muscle mass. And they may be on their way to developing osteoporosis as well. And they're not losing weight per se, but they're bulimic.
1: So if you're noticing these changes. And I want to name for people listening that many adults caring for kids have their own struggles with body image and disordered eating. An adult needs to talk to this kid. If you, for whatever reason, don't feel capable of having that conversation, make an appointment with your pediatrician, have your kid hang out with another trusted adult who feels more confident having this conversation. I I just want to name that sometimes this topic is so hard for adults to talk about and find your surrogate if it's too hard for you to have this conversation.
0: Let's go to males for a second and just talk about how testosterone is a cousin of estrogen. This is a concept that we've covered a lot Sometimes it blows people's minds because they think of these sex hormones as so distinct, but they're really in the same family of hormones. And testosterone can be converted into estrogen. The process is called aromatization. It just is the name for the chemical process that happens. And it can happen in bone, actually, is one place where it happens, where an aroma group gets added on to the testosterone chain and it turns it into a form of estrogen. One way that testosterone contributes to bone density is there's a lot of testosterone in the body and then that testosterone gets converted at the level of the bone into estrogen and then it does what estrogen does and it helps bone formation and all that. If you have a low level of testosterone and you're male, there are studies that show that you may end up having osteoporosis or low bone density So we're talking about the female athlete triad, and yet there is a corresponding male component or there is a corresponding male version, but it may look very different and the signs are very different and the consequences may be very different. And so I hope, Vanessa, that as the world begins to accept the pathology of Over specialization and of overly aggressive activity in youth sports. And we talk a lot about this shining a light on the fun, the community building, the skill building, the physicality, but trying to move the spotlight away from an intensity that results in whether it's overuse injuries, lands you in an operating room, or could land you here with the athlete triad. As the world starts to see this, I really hope the world starts to find balance. And the closing remark I'd like to add,
1: which applies to all kids, all athletes, if your child is being coached by someone who is encouraging this behavior, disordered eating, working out on an injured body, applauding major physical changes that are ultimately unhealthy for the kid in an effort to streamline their bodies for the sport. I mean, forget about the coaches who are just emotionally abusive in other ways. If you are seeing any of these things, no athletic success is worth subjecting your child to that kind of coaching. Because I will tell you, Thank God, not from my own personal experience, but as an athlete and having watched other athletes be coached by people like this, there are lifelong dangers to your children if they are being coached by someone like this. Depression, anxiety, suicidality, eating disorders, physical injuries resulting in the inability to ever play that sport again, burnout. I mean, the list goes on and on. It is your responsibility as their caregiver to protect them from coaching like this. No medal, no ranking, no recruiting is worth allowing your kid to be coached by someone who is ultimately destroying their well being physically or emotionally.
0: You know, I think. Just to put a finer point on that last comment, we really all work hard not to be negative and aggressive and fatalistic as we enter these conversations. So, this discussion can be scary for parents and can, you know, send you into a tailspin. Do what Vanessa would do. I, this is what I try to do all the time (laughs) in my life. I do what Vanessa does approach your kid with curiosity. Ask them questions without hurling accusations or fear-based statements about, oh my, you're going to have osteoporosis and then you're going to break your femur and then you're going to do this and then you're... None of that helps. None of that works. And remember that one big component of this triad has a mental health piece to it. The body image, disordered eating, element of the female athlete triad sits squarely in the world of mental health. So approaching your child with openness, with love, with caring concern, but recognizing that this is both a physical and a mental health issue, that allows you to just take a minute, think about how you want to proceed, and probably think about bringing in a mental health provider To help guide you through these conversations, which can be complicated, but they can also be incredibly beautiful and incredibly bonding, and they can lead to a lifetime of enjoying exercise and physical health. So the goal here is to identify something that comes up often. You know, the female athlete triad is not just for females, and it's not as rare as people might think. So the goal is let's shine a light on it. And now let's let's take a different tact and have conversations with our kids that feel like we are going to be able to set them on a path where they have all the benefits of physical movement and exercise for the rest of their life. And they can unburden themselves from the mental health piece. Thanks, Cara. Thanks, Vanessa. We absolutely
1: love hearing your feedback and getting all your questions. So anytime you want to be in touch, email us at thepubertypodcast at gmail.com. If you're looking for great puberty products like the Oom shorts or the Oom socks or the Oom bra, you get the theme there, go to myoomla.com. If you want more content, you love what we do on the puberty podcast, and you want to have us come speak or learn more about our book or subscribe to our amazing newsletter, The Awkward Roller Coaster, go to orderofmagnitude.co. Remember, it's .co because we don't have enough money to
0: buy .com. Yet. Planning for your next trip?